Get ready to hear the truth about America on a show that's not immune to the facts with your host, Dan Bongino. All right, welcome to the Dan Bongino Show. Producer Joe, how are you today? I'm doing well, Dan. How about yourself, babe? Yeah, you're not doing too well. You had an interesting well, incident this morning. It was yeah. a, a robbery in a yeah. store. Joe gets up super early yeah. and... On his way to work, what time was it? Like three o'clock in the morning or something? No, I, I'm getting up usually about three. I'm out the door by about ten or four, and I get coffee. There's a little little convenience store on uh, Mountain Road here in Pasadena. And uh, yeah. the woman got robbed, right? You noticed yeah. something was wrong. You yeah, know, I said, can what's I just wrong? say, as a former cop who's responded mm-hmm. to this stuff afterwards, yeah, you know, you you you're listen. This is the difference between conservatives and liberals. I'm serious. I'm not trying to make a political debate about this at all. I'm just telling mm-hmm. you what I've seen in the real world, having been a cop and been in the political arena. The first impulse for liberals and things like this, and this is why I'm I, I wake up every morning with a passion to fight these people. I'm not talking about Democrats. I'm talking about the radical left. Is to f- apologize. For the criminal. Oh, what happened to the criminal? What a rough life. Too oh. bad. We've all had rough lives. Joe yeah. had a rough life. Joe could tell you a thousand stories. I've heard them. Well, I can, can tell you, you a thousand stories. We all yeah. have scars, do we not? The difference between p- people with scars and, 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 and the rest is we don't go and rob a damn convenience store and ruin a woman's life, you mm-hmm. mutts. Because of it, and then search for an excuse. Oh, what happened? He had a tough life. Too freaking bad. We've all had tough lives. You want to hear stories? Read my first book. Yeah. We've all got them. Life is tough. You don't walk into a store and rob a... How old was the woman, Joe? She's in her 26, 27 years old. So now her life is... You you, you just... Joe Changed. Yeah, Joe was telling me the story before the show, and he's like, I noticed right away something was wrong. So you ruin a 20-year-old woman's life because what? Oh, your childhood was so rough. Too freaking bad. We've all had that. Sorry, I didn't I didn't tell Joe I was going to even talk about this. But no, I didn't know, but that's okay. I could see Joe was, I said, what's up? I, you know, I'm looking at him on the screen here, and I could tell he's all frazzled. I'm like, what's the deal? He's like, oh, I had a rough morning. We had my coffee. I sat there with this woman the whole time. She'd just been yeah. robbed. The police were going after him. I'm thinking, what a bunch of steaming hot piles of garbage these people are. You, yeah. you're a loser to the guy. You are a total loser. You're a yeah. disgrace to the entire planet. You're a disgusting piece of human filth. Hey, give me your stuff. Put a gun to a 20-year-old woman. What the hell's wrong with you? Oh, I had a rough childhood liberals. Oh, what happened? What happened? Was he? Well, you know what happened? A twenty-six-year-old girl was robbed. That's what happened. You, you dumbass. She'll never forget that in the rest of her life, ever. <sighs> Drives me crazy. Sorry. Um, nah, it's okay, man. All right, I got a lot to get to today. Um, yesterday was a really big news day. Uh, let's jump right in. Today's show brought to you by buddies at iTarget. Um, the iTarget system is, folks, it's one of the best ways out there to uh, practice your proficiency with a firearm. This is really important stuff. If you're going to own a firearm for self-defense, you're a police officer, uh, you're in the military, any kind of law enforcement, a home defense, a hunter, you have to be trained well with a firearm to actually engage with, if you're, God forbid, you're involved in a self-defense scenario, what you're trying to uh, hit. The iTarget system is one of the best ways to do that. The website is iTargetPro, the letter iTargetPro.com. iTargetPro.com is the website, iTargetPro.com. Promo code Dan for 10% off. What is the iTarget Pro system? They will send you a laser round, which you will insert into a safely unloaded firearm. 
That way, when you are dry firing, in other words, depressing the trigger on a safely unloaded weapon, check it, check it twice, check it three times, make sure it's safely unloaded, you will insert that laser round into the firearm and it will emit a laser onto a target they send you. Therefore, you can see what your groupings would have looked like. That's the problem when you're just dry firing. When you're safely and unloading a weapon and you're dry firing, in other words, no live rounds in it, you're practicing your trigger pull and your sight alignment, you don't know what the pattern would have looked like because there's no round emerging from the gun, obviously. It's safely unloaded. Now it'll emit a laser and you can see where the rounds, uh, what the grouping would have looked like on the target. And I've seen people send me their targets. They take snapshots of them. You have to see their improvement from like a Monday to a Friday. It's incredible. You'll be knocking the wings off a firefly by the end of the week. Try it out. iTargetPro.com. That's iTargetPro.com. Promo code Dan for 10% off. Okay. So I got a little bit distracted there in the beginning. Here we go. I appreciate your story. Um. I'm not really sure where to start here. Uh, let me let me go into. I want to get to some stuff on. There's some more breaking news again on, on Spygate and something I picked out. But uh, last night there were some big elections. I, I really should cover yep. this. This is important. Um, I'm going to give you some big high end takeaways. I'm not going to get into the wonkery of it because it's a national, well, actually international show. As I keep getting emails from Australia, <laughs> we get a lot all of right. listeners in Australia. So thank you to all our Australian listeners. We appreciate that. There's a you know a, a uh, 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 thank you, mate. Joke in there, but I'm not. I'm going to leave that to the side because my Australian accent's terrible. <laughs> By the way, when I was traveling in Australia once, I asked the guy. Uh, I learned to always leave the accent question open ended. He was uh, he was from New Zealand, not Australian. I said, "Is that an Australian accent?" He didn't like that at all. So leave that open ended. <laughs> but I'll give you the higher end takeaways. Um, number one, the takeaway from last night: there was a dispute going on in California that was kind of inside baseball, but it's really fascinating now that the California primary is over and uh, the, the big race was the primary race for governor. Now, the inside baseball is kind of fascinating what goes on in politics. There was a stream of Republicans in California who did not want the Republican candidate for governor to finish in the top two. Now, why does this matter to you? California has what they call a jungle primary, Joe. And you're like, why would Republicans not want one of the Republicans to finish at the top? Mm-hmm. Jungle primaries are interesting. Um, they, they don't run traditionally what we would you know, we'd see in Florida. The Republicans have a primary. The Democrats have a primary. The guy who wins the Republican primary or the woman faces off against the woman or man who wins the Democrat primary. That's typically how it goes. Not in California. California's (laughs) got to do everything different. What happens in California, yeah, it's it's confusing, is the top two finishers in a jungle primary, meaning everybody goes, there's no Republican, uh, no Democrat. There's one big primary. And the top two finishers go on to the general election. You could have two Republicans, two Democrats, a Republican and a Democrat, two Libertarians. You could have two communists. If they finish in the top two, they go on to the general election. That's just the way it works, okay? So what was interesting about this is typically you would think that in a state like California, you know, even with the small Republican presence, that there'd be enough Republicans to get that Republican at least in the number two spot on the ballot so they'd be facing off against the Democrats. Mm Mm-hmm. The problem is in the general election, for all intents and purposes, the Republican in California really has no chance. Uh, Republicans are basically a third party, sadly, in California. Um, So there was a line of thinking that, well, Antonio Villa Legrosa, 
who was a Democrat, but was more of a school reformer than the far left liberal running number one, Gavin Newsom, that mm-hmm. at least if they got Via the Grossa on uh, Via the Grossa on I'm saying his name wrong, on the uh, ballot that and it, he was a Democrat, Joe, that yeah. at a minimum, Republicans could at least get a school choice kind of reformer on the ballot rather than the actual Republican who really has no chance. You see where I'm okay. saying? You see where yeah, I'm going with yeah. this? In other mm-hmm. words, most of the Republicans in the state have already forfeited the state. And they're like, well, if we're going right. to get a Democrat in there, let's at least get the more, you know, air quotes, conservative Democrat. This is them mm-hmm. saying, not me. I'm just telling you what's going on. But... So that was the the positive for the Republicans was, well, if we got a more conservative Democrat, at least we'd have a chance. Make sense? So line of thinking number two was that's a catastrophic mistake, because if we get two Democrats on the ballot for governor in the midterms in November, then, Joe, why would any Republican throughout the state, because it's a governor's race, so it's statewide. Why would any Republican even bother to show up? Bingo. Which would have what effect down ballot? Be catastrophic. Yeah. Republican uh, congressmen, congresswomen, state assembly people, whoever's on the ballot for that election would suffer because Republicans would say, well, what am I voting for? There's not even a Republican on the ballot for governor. Big time. So there were these two conflicting visions. Now, I think Trump took the appropriate path here. This is why this interests you. I think Trump saw the writing on the wall. Trump backed John Cox, the Republican candidate for governor. And it was in a small but not insignificant win for Trump. Cox did, Joe, finish number two, yeah. uh, way ahead of Grossa, and got on the ballot. So there will be a Republican on the ballot for governor. Granted, his chances are small. It doesn't mean you shouldn't vote. Yeah, right. Joe's giving me like the, the index finger thumb thing, you know. Uh, but the, at least Republicans will have a reason to show up. Who knows? You could have an upset. You know, Joe and I lived through one in Maryland. Yeah. Where Larry Hogan was like a six hundred million to one underdog in the yeah, Maryland governor's race, and everybody, right? You remember that? Oh, and everybody yeah. at election night, me included, were like, "Wait, did he just win? How did that happen?" <laughs> like, no, he was. I'm sorry to say, I'm not, he, he's a nice guy personally. He's not my yeah. kind of Republican, but it was like a joke campaign. I mean, no one yeah. really thought he was going to win. Not he was a joke. His dad was a congressman. He's a credible candidate, but nobody gave him a chance. It was like when he won an election, I we're all scratching our heads. Like, did that just happen? Or are we going to wake <laughs> up tomorrow and find that this was all like a plot from a Seinfeld show or something? So that, so Trump had a small victory last night in John Cox getting on the ballot. And I think it was the right path because again, California right now at the state level is lost. Um, and uh, sadly, and I'm not sure, uh, Via La Grossa would have been even a better option because the leftists would have pressured him into doing all kinds of leftist stuff. That's what's driving California into the abyss. So now we will have a Republican candidate for governor on the ballot. That is a good thing. Um, secondly, Uh, So that's a positive for Republicans. The downside out of last night's race is, uh, and this does have national implications, because California, if they are going to flip the House of Representatives, Joe, the Democrats, which is important to them. Why? Because they want to impeach Donald Trump. Yeah. And to impeach Donald Trump, they need a majority in the House of Representatives, the U.S. House of Representatives. Right. Well, you know, the Congress, right? Mm -hmm. They need that. In order to do that, there are six or seven swingy districts in California that they have to win, Joe. They've got to win these congressional seats in California. So here's the the bad news first. The bad news is there were so many Democrats running for these congressional seats in California that the Democrats need to win that there was a really strong possibility, as I told you a couple of weeks ago, that 
they were going to split the vote so significantly amongst all these Democrats running and relatively few Republicans that mm-hmm. in a jungle primary, remember, there's no Republican or Democrat primaries, one big primary, the number one and two people win. They go to the general. That's it, regardless of party. There was a, a hope out there amongst Republicans that being that there were so many Democrats running that say there were 100 Democrats, so you all get whatever, a quarter of a point of the vote each. You're right. Yeah, little that, nibbles. Right, little nibbles that the Republicans would win the one and two spots. And therefore, in the general, Joe, the Democrats have no chance of winning because they're not on the ballot. They were like, this is great. We could win in the primary alone. Well, the bad news is that didn't happen, that the second place spot, although in a sliver, did go uh, in, in many in many of these races to Democrats. That's the bad news. The good news is the Democrats that won in a lot of these congressional seats. Oh, they hell need- no. <laughs> Joe's accident. Leave it in there. It's funny. I think Joe accidentally hit the second board thing. Leave it That's pretty funny. The second spot that the Democrats won to get on the general election ballot went to largely uh, radical far left so-called progressives, which are really regressives, and not to more mainstream Democrat candidates. Now remember, folks, these are swingy districts. These are not far. These are this isn't Nancy Pelosi's district. We're talking about 50-50 districts, districts Hillary Clinton won by one or two or three points. You want a more moderate, reasonable Democrat. You don't want some, you know, late-term abortion, 90% tax rate, you know, Bernie Sanders confiscate your gun liberal. But that second place spot went to the wing nuts. Why did it go to the wing nuts? Because the radical leftists that hate Trump showed up in the primary and voted for their wing nut people. So the wing nuts made it on the ballot. So the bad news is they made it on the ballot at all in the general. The good news is it was the wing nuts. <laughs> so <laughs> this may bode well in the general. All right, one last point on this. I got to move on. I got some really staggering stuff I want to put forth to you uh, and for you guys to kind of digest on the Spygate stuff. It's pretty cool. The good news for the Republicans. So again, bad news, Dems made it. Good news, wingnuts made it through. But third, when you look at the cumulative GOP totals, in other words, you remember they're jungle primaries. You can have 100 right. Republicans running, 100 Democrats, the first two, the top two finishers go to the general. When you look at the cumulative votes of all the Republicans in these swingy districts, there's about six or seven of them. That the Democrats absolutely have to win to take control of the House to impeach Trump. That's what they want to do. Right. The cumulative GOP totals were well over 50%. Oh, yeah. Now, there's a lot of caveats to that, you know, buyer beware a bit. But that's indicative that, again, this blue wave they're talking about may be a trickle. They may win some seats, but, and and they may, who knows, it may be a blue wave. There's a lot of time from now to November. But if this economy keeps motoring along, you're talking about potential 4% GDP growth now. Uh, I'm not so sure this blue wave is going to materialize. Think about what I just told you. In a jungle primary in these congressional districts, they need to win. Let's say there were five Republicans, 10 Democrats, whatever it may be. The added up cumulative totals of the Republicans was well over 50%. You know. That may that does not bode well for Democrats who thought in the you know in the, surely in swingy districts in California we were going to take back the House. Uh, I'm not so sure. We'll see. Well, you know, one final piece of good news about last night too. I think um, Democrat voters 
There are two surprise Senate races I think are going to be um, I, I, well, one half a surprise and one not. The Democrats, I don't think, are going to take uh, take the Senate in this election. There are too many seats up in states like West Virginia, uh, Missouri, and other places where Trump won handily, and there are mm-hmm. Democrats. you got Man- Manchin, McCaskill. I, I don't think they have a chance in this general. I think the Republicans may actually pick up United States Senate seats in these 2018 midterms in November. Make sure you get out and vote. But two surprises. And uh, what happened last night leads me to think that there may be a chance, albeit I'll do Joe's uh, index finger thumb, like bitty shot. New Jersey. Bob Menendez recently brought up on corruption charges. Uh, He was, uh, he was, uh, he got off in court. But Menendez, the senator from New Jersey, the Democrat, ran in a primary, Joe, against an unknown Lisa Mm -hmm. McCormick. So unknown, she didn't even file an FEC filing because she didn't raise enough money. Now, keep in mind, I ran for the U.S. Senate. I, I'm pretty sure you have to file an FEC filing when you raise like 5000 bucks or something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you didn't raise $5,000? Lisa McCormick got 40% of the vote. Oh, that is not good. <laughs> Joe, seriously, little Joe could have run for Senate and got 40%. I love the kid, but he's he not ready to run for office. He's young. No. She got 40% of the vote and didn't even raise any money. Holy cow. Folks, this does not bode well. Maybe New York, uh, excuse me, New Jersey... Is getting tired of Menendez and all of these allegations of corruption. Now, is a pickup likely there? Probably not. But there's, you know, we said the same thing about Maryland in the governor's race. And Joe and I woke up the next day like, what the heck just happened? If Menendez loses, oh my gosh, are they in a world of trouble? Now, the one other race, I live down here in Florida, and I'm I'm gonna make I'm not big into the predictions game, although we did quite well the night before the election. Mm. I'm gonna predict that Florida is gonna be a flip too. I don't think uh, Nelson's going to... I think Rick Scott, the Republican governor, who is running against the current United States Senator, uh, Bill Nelson, I think Scott is going to win. The ads are overwhelming. Nelson has been an empty suit in D.C. He's done nothing. I think Rick Scott takes that seat, and I think that's a seat that the Democrats had anticipated keeping. Man, if they pull an upset in New Jersey and win Florida and then take back all the states Donald Trump won, I mean, you could be looking at a potentially you know, 54, 56-seat Senate with Republicans. So that could be a really big deal. All right. This story has been bugging me all week. I've missed this. Uh, This private contractor story. There's something I caught in a text. And I'm not sure. Someone else may have picked up. I haven't seen it yet, though. But there's a typo in a text. But it's a big typo from Page and Stroke. And it's mm-hmm. about this. I'm, let me get to that in a second. All right, let me just uh, knock this out. So, uh, all, folks, also, uh, you know, I, you know, I love my sponsors. I appreciate you guys supporting them. I appreciate the emails. It helps keep the show free for you all. But my original sponsor was Brickhouse Nutrition. I, I love them. They've been with us forever. I think it's the finest nutrition company, uh, supplement company on the market today. Uh, today, you know what I want to talk about today? Foundation. Uh, I know I mentioned Field of Greens and Dawn to Dusk a lot. But the original product I worked with them on was Foundation. They sent me a bottle. It is a creatine ATP blend. It's like having two extra gas tanks in the gym. I absolutely love this stuff. They take creatine, they took it to the next level by adding ATP to it. Again, you're not getting one gas tank. You're getting two extra gas tanks in the gym. Now, this stuff works so well, I encourage all of you want to try it. The product's called Foundation. It's available at BrickHouseNutrition.com slash Dan. That you just take the mirror test. That's all I ask. What is the mirror test? Go look in the mirror. Take a mental snapshot of what you look like. Give the product about seven days. It loads a little bit in your system. And then take a look again. You're just, it it looks like you packed on like five, 10 pounds of muscle. 
Uh, you look amazing. You just look better, more vascular. It's incredible. The product's amazing. My nephew loves it so much. He drove up here from Fort Lauderdale to try to get extra stuff because I have extra bottles of it. It's so good. It's called Foundation. Go check it out at BrickHouseNutrition.com slash Dan. That's BrickHouseNutrition.com slash Dan. I'm absolutely sure you're going to love this product. It's my favorite product. I don't know what I'd do without it. I lo- I remember the first time I took it. I remember thinking I forgot I was taking it. And then like five, six days in, I'm like, wow, this is some serious gains <laughs> in the gym. Anyone out of CrossFitters, military guys, cops, even, you know, you're, you're women, you're into working out. You want a bit of a denser, muscular look, but you don't want to look overly, uh, you know, muscly, so to say. This is the product for you. It's terrific. Go give it a shot. BrickHouseNutrition.com slash Dan. That's BrickHouseNutrition.com slash Dan. All right. Um, I picked this. Oh, wait, one more piece of good news. Sorry. Uh-huh. The Chum Store, folks. The Chum Store has new additions. My wife insisted that I bring this up. We uh, finally got the Fanu Lanou shirts, the (laughs) Felonious Mopri shirts, and the Liberalism Suck shirts. So if you want to go check those out, go to Bongino.com. Click on the Chum Store. We have new shirts there today. Fanu Lanou. Bolo, be on the lookout for Fanu Lanou, Felonious Mopri, uh, available, guilty of Felonious Mopri, and liberalism <laughs> sucks. I'm not kidding. Go check it out, Bongino.com at the Chum Store. So my wife was like, please uh, go mention that. She worked really hard on those. There is a, getting back to this, on March 9th of 2016, a situation breaks in the FBI in the Spygate case. The situation is about access to the metadata database by FBI-related entities. Let me describe what I'm talking about, because this is a a major, major story. And I have been hesitant to talk about it, and I'm going to tell you why in a minute. I know I can see your hesitancy, too, Joe's like, I don't know. You haven't said this before. The NSA does 702 collection, metadata collection. Basically, collection of phone calls, texts, email type metadata that's collected in a database. On the 9th of March, 2016, a scandal blows up. That scandal is about FBI contractor, contractor, not FBI agent, access to that database. Now, this becomes the subject, and it's, this is in, uh, I know that Jeff Carlson's done some good wor- work at the market's work on this. I've had some of his articles in the show notes, including one from yesterday, which I strongly recommend about this topic. Mike Rogers, the head of the NSA, gets wind of this. So think about the power we're talking about here, Joe. I have a database of almost every call, email that comes across these transatlantic cables and others. Right. I say, okay, for I give it to you, Joe, uh, you're a law enforcement officer. But then, mm-hmm. Joe, you then farm it out to someone who's not a law enforcement officer, who's a private citizen, who's a contractor. All of a sudden, I'm like, wait, 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 time out, right. T.O., baby. We didn't talk about that. Mike Rogers gets wind of this and shuts this down as head of the NSA. I've stayed away from this, although a lot of people have been doing some pretty good, solid, strong investigative work on this. I'll tell you what the theory is in a minute on what they think. But this is important because on the same day that this 
contractor access to this database, Joe, from the FBI gets shut down. Mm-hmm. Lisa Page sends her buddy Peter Stroke, the FBI agent and lawyer, involved in the uh, in the email email investigation for Hillary and the investigation into the Trump team later on. She sends a text, and the text reads, "Yes, but we need to fix a huge who f up." F up meaning obviously curse, you know, a cuss there. <laughs> yes, we need to fix a huge who F up. Now, I- I'm not sure if anybody's caught this, but a huge who F up. What does that mean? Who? It's an autocorrect. I'm almost positive. It's an autocorrect that stands for WFO. What's WFO? Washington field office. I'm pretty sure she typed into her phone. We need to fix a WFO F up and it auto corrected into a who F up. It's if you read the text, that's exactly what it says. Who W H O. Now, do you see what I'm saying, Joe? She probably typed in WFO and it auto corrected to who and she sent it. Now the the following text that he says, yes, that W, you know, WFO. Now, that which would mean Washington field office. This mm-hmm. is a huge scandal. I've stayed away from it because on this show, my credibility matters to you. And there's a lot of good investigative work being done on it. But one of the big angles, Joe, to this story, an enormous uh-huh. angle. I know the conservative treehouse guys have been on it. Um, I know Carlson's been on it and they've been doing some knock them dead work is. Was. The IC, the intelligence community, and the FBI using queries into that metadata system to spy on the Trump team before the investigation was even formally opened up. Yeah, I know. Now, remember the date I just gave you. This is important. This is March 9th of 2016, Joe. Right. The case into the Trump team isn't opened until July, March, July, March. This is way before the case is open. Now, I've been hesitant on this one because of, um, how do I say this without burning people? One of the sources I have who's quite good has been very careful with me on this. Um, Careful in that he's not sure either what that means um were they using that 702 those 702 queries to query you know to put in the hey let's get the emails of this guy let's get the emails of that guy let's see what this guy was doing let's get their text he's not sure so i've been very hesitant to report on this but let me there are two open questions and if you you know if, if you have the answers to them i you know we'd love to hear them too question number one who the heck were those private contractors Private contractors at the FBI were accessing the most sensitive data the intelligence community has. Mike Rogers shuts it down. Remember, by the way, Rogers is the same guy who right after the election, 10 days after the election, goes up to Trump Tower, the NSA director, Mike Rogers, to brief Donald Trump. So he knows what's going on with these these queries into the database. He knows because he shut it down. He briefs Trump. By the way, the day he briefs Trump, there's a text sent from the same two people, Stroke and Page, Joe, that says, hey, New York Times reporting um, 
Maybe it was the same day or maybe the next day. New York Times reporting Rogers up to Trump. Why is he so concerned about that? Was the FBI tapping into this through private contractors to spy on Trump? It's an open question, but it's a fair question to ask based on, again, evidence we have. It's not conclusive. It happened. What's conclusive is there's something suspicious happening here. If there weren't folks, Rogers wouldn't have shut it down. You get what I'm saying? You can't I say, do. oh, there's yeah. nothing to see here. Okay, then why did Mike Rogers, the head of the NSA, shut the FBI down? Right. They shut the private contractors out. Why is, if nothing happened, why is Lisa Page texting stroke? Yes, but we need to fix a huge, I'm assuming, WFO F up. That's got to be what she's talking about. Washington field office, private contractors you being used to tap into that. Who are the private contractors? There's been a lot of theories out there. I'm not again, I'm I'm not convinced yet at theories are CrowdStrike, Fusion GPS, which I doubt, which would be I I but we'll see. But the big open questions are was this related to Trump and who the heck were these private contractors? Remember, let me finish that thought though. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to get confused. Rogers goes up to Trump Tower after the election. I think, here's what I think happened. This is important. This goes all the way back to episode 628. Rogers knows there was some malfeasance. There were things going on with the database, the NSA database of this information that may, they it was tapped in. We know it was tapped into by private contractors, not tapped into an illegal, but used, let's say. I want to I want to be fair. It was used by private contractors. And we know it was a huge F up because we have the texts and we have Mike Rogers shutting it down. That's obvious evidence something was Mm -hmm. wrong. Rogers sees Trump winning the election, probably has this, oh, mm, moment. Like he's going to find out about this. Rogers says, I better brief this guy. Now, you may be asking yourself, why not brief him right away, the day after the election, or what may be? Well, as I've said to you repeatedly, Rogers, if you listen to 628 on, Rogers probably knows what I know, and I'm going to pass on to you, that Trump is probably being monitored. He may be being monitored through FISA, through some a couple hops on a FISA warrant on someone else. He may be being monitored through Manafort. Rogers is aware of this. It takes about 10 days or so for the Secret Service and their operation to get up and running. Rogers probably gives it some time. Understanding there's probably some scheduling concerns, too. Trump was probably really busy, obviously, the day or two after the election. He waits for the Secret Service and and, uh, all of these other entities to set up a skiff up in Trump Tower, a sensitive, compartmented information facility where they can talk in a cone of silence. That's one of these facilities. They set up tents and things like that, white noise generators. And it's, you know, it's, it, it's really almost impossible for anyone to tap into your conversations. He goes up there. He waits 10 days. He briefs Trump. We still don't know specifically what he briefed Trump about, but we know Rogers shut down some mm, nefarious activity going on with the NSA database. We know there were private contractors using it. We know that it's in the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Court audit of this. That's of the of the process. That's a mm-hmm. fact. Who were the private contractors? What the hell were they looking up in the system? These are huge questions. Again, I've been hesitant to jump into this because my source is kind of like I'm not sure yet, and I don't want to report anything unless I know it. He's, he goes up. Rogers talks to Trump. 
10 days after the election, probably waits for the skiff, goes in the skiff, probably briefs him on what happened. And conveniently, the next day, the Trump team evacuates Trump Tower and heads up to Bedminster, New Jersey, to Trump's facility up there, which they can control a little better. Not in a big city. They can probably set up a skiff up there relatively quickly. They evacuate Trump Tower. He doesn't do any additional meetings down there. Folks, that can't all be coincidental. Let me walk you through it again and just show you how these this set. The, again, these are facts. Okay. What, how you decide to interpret the facts is entirely up to you. I've told you I'm hesitant to interpret it conclusively yet because I don't have that one yet damning piece of information that Rosetta Stone. All right. The NSA has a database, a database of information, calls, texts, emails. Before the Trump case is open, months before it, A controversy erupts at what I believe to be the Washington field office of the FBI about private contractors working with the FBI. We don't know who they are using this database. Like, what? Are you serious? The most sensitive information of Americans in this database. You have private contractors. We know that happened. We know Page and Stroke, these two investigators looking at Trump later on and Clinton now are very concerned about this. We don't yet know the identity of the private contractors. We know this is a huge scandal, so much so that Mike Rogers, the head of the NSA, shuts the FBI down, their private contractor access down, and demands a compliance audit. Mm -hmm. We know the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Corps puts out a report on this, confirming that private contractors had, in fact, access to this system. Rogers finds out Trump wins, waits about 10 days, I believe time to set up a skiff so he knows he can talk to him privately, goes up to Trump Tower, briefs him, tells him what's going on, I think. Trump leaves Trump Tower. Conveniently, just days after that, the Obama team calls for Mike Rogers to resign and starts attacking him in the press through leaks. This is a big deal, folks. This is a huge deal. What the heck was that database being used for? Who were the private contractors? Love to hear it. Who exactly were they? What were they doing? Were they querying that system for information about the Trump team? What would they would call about queries? Now, again, I've been a little hesitant on this because I'm not sure I have conclusive evidence that this would in fact happen. And there's been some connections made by some others. I think are a little loose, but not not irrelevant, but still a little loose. But that is going to be another bombshell to drop. In addition to who pushed the information into the Trump team, was it Mifsud? Who pushed the information into the Trump team? Do Papadopoulos? Was was were FBI contractors querying the database about the Trump team? These are major, major questions. Okay, I want to motor through because I got another important story. Chuck Ross again, just crushing it at the Daily Caller with his pieces. Um, so I want to get to that. Hey, today's show also brought to you by our buddies at Filter By. Yeah, we got they they have a new read. They write these themselves. This is what I love about this company, right? So I don't want to assume too much, but I suspect you've had enough bills to pay already, and you don't need any more bills. That's right. I don't. Hey. But that might be what you're headed for if you don't trust me on this. According to the Department of Energy, the most expensive utility for most Americans is their electricity bill, making up roughly nine percent of their annual housing expenditure. This number is aggravated depending on where you live. Take Florida, for example. I'm serious. You, 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 you got to get a hold of your energy bills in the summer. You'll go crazy Ooh. down here. 
Adding insult to injury, this allergy season has been one of the worst, further straining your system. You can help lower this bill by making sure your system is running smoothly with a new set of filters from my friends at FilterBuy. We love FilterBuy. These guys are terrific. They're totally on board. America's leading provider of HVAC filters for homes and small businesses. You got a small business? Use them. You got a house with a couple filters? Use them. They carry over 600 different filter sizes, and if you're one of those difficult people, they can make a custom filter just for you. Plus, they ship free within 24 hours. And if that isn't enough, they're manufactured right here in America, so there's no excuse. Set up auto delivery. It just makes life easier. Plus, you save an additional 5%. Additionally, you can extend the life of your HVAC system. It's getting hotter outside. The last thing you need is a busted HVAC system on top of the allergies, filthy lungs, and everything else that comes along with nasty air inside your house. We spend a lot of time indoors. Save time, save money, breathe better with FilterBuy.com. I know I do. I love these guys. That's FilterBuy.com, FilterBuy.com, FilterBuy.com. Tell them Dan sent you. They love it. Made in the USA, too. We love these guys. All right. So another bombshell by Chuck Ross at the Daily Caller. Um, Piece will be in the show notes today at Bongino.com. Joe, now we find out that in addition to the spy, yes, he was a spy. Mm Mm-hmm. The entity employed uh, by the FBI to interact with the Trump team, Chuck Ross uh, exposed a while ago as Stefan Halper, Mm -hmm. who fascinatingly enough, as I mentioned yesterday, was a CIA asset, not an FBI asset. Still wondering how exactly that came about, how the FBI, John Brennan may have an answer to that, Joe, Uh, you think? Maybe. Don't know if I can believe him or not. Yeah, of course not. John John Brennan lies so fluidly and easily. You wonder if uh, you know what kind of tendencies this guy uh, has. Yeah. I mean, he is. It's it's disgusting what he what he does on television when he lies and he attacks Trump. Yet this guy's reputation, he just destroyed the intelligence community. I mean, it, narcissism. I mean, just a path- oh my gosh, it disgusts me. Yeah. But now we find out that Halper, according to Russ, didn't only approach Page. Carter Page and didn't only approach George Papadopoulos, but also he was targeted that uh, st- that Stephen Miller was targeted too, who is another Trump associate. I mean, this is folks, this is just amazing. Now we find out that the symposium that Halper was part of, this Cambridge University symposium in July, Carter Page was invited to, that they also invited Trump uh, aide at the time, Stephen Miller, who you've seen at the White House, folks. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this because I don't need to overly complicate it. I'm just trying to tell you and get across to you that the extensive layered network of the of the operation targeting Donald Trump was complicated, was nuanced, was known by many and was not some simple, small, low level effort to just gather a couple tidbits of information here and there for opposition research. This was a multi-layered, sophisticated operation between an entity that was formerly associated with the Central Intelligence Agency now being used by the FBI to contact as many people as they could on the Trump team without burning who they were in order to gather information. The big question being, how did that information get into the Trump team in the first place? We have to pull out this information about the emails now, which I, I strongly believe was pushed into the Trump team in an effort to pull it out later, in an effort to frame them. 
Now, Paul Sperry has a great uh, Twitter feed. Uh, he writes for the New York Post and others. I think Real Clear Investigations. Those. He has this Twitter feed. If you go to his Twitter feed, it's pretty good. And he talks about how at sooner or later, they're going to have to prove at some point that there was a hack of the DNC to make any of this true, Joe, because the entire Trump collusion narrative is the Russians hacked the DNC, tried to give those emails to the Trump team in an effort to collude to win the election. They still can't prove there was a DNC hack. Right. I'm telling you the effort to pull that information out about emails, emails, emails was the key term. Emails, because they that, that's the whole case. The whole case is the Russians colluded with the Trump team to get them stolen emails, mm-hmm. which they would use against the Hillary team to win the election. At some point, you're going to have to prove either these emails existed or that the information about these emails existed and that the Trump team was trying to get that information. When it's shown that the that potential intelligence assets were pushing the information into the Trump team in an effort to dirty them up. It's going to blow this whole case out of the water. But Sperry points out an interesting thing in his Twitter feed saying, Joe, sooner or later, you're going to have to prove that the DNC emails were in fact hacked. The key point there is the FBI has never, ever looked at the DNC servers, nor has anyone else. Sooner or later, you're going to have to prove actual evidence of a crime. You can't, prosecute someone for bank robbery if you don't in fact have a bank complaining they were robbed this is the problem with this whole case and this is why i believe the spy network they employed against the trump team to pull this information out against emails this is why i believe they got desperate reaching out to miller reaching out to carter page reaching out to papadopoulos because there was no crime they pushed the information in was it Mifsud? Was it someone else who said to the Trump team, hey, hey, there's these emails out there? There were no emails. No emails were ever exchanged. Papadopoulos, that is not in question. Never gotten emails. Don Trump Jr. never gotten emails. Nobody got any emails. You're saying a bank was robbed and there's no bank complaining about being robbed. All they have is someone telling a story about a bank being robbed, feeding it to Joe, and a spy trying to pull information about the fictitious bank robbery out of Joe. Are you tracking? Mm, yeah. And they got desperate because Joe wasn't talking. Mm-mm. So they hit everybody up. Extensive. The network was extensive mm-hmm. and troubling. All right, let me get to some other stuff because there's really a lot of breaking news. On McCabe, uh, this broke last night, uh, yesterday too, that Andy McCabe, the number two at the FBI, apparently there's some potential agreement into works with this, with the Senate committee responsible for looking into this case for Andrew McCabe to have immunity. Andrew McCabe was the number two at the FBI in exchange for some testimony about this case. Ladies and gentlemen, if this happens, this could be potentially devastating. Not for us. Now, for as much as I would like to see Andrew McCabe prosecuted for, in fact, if he if he did lie and the evidence is there and lied to FBI agents. I'm telling you, as a former investigator, I would much rather have Andrew McCabe as a cooperating witness in this case. Andrew McCabe knows everything. He was the number two, folks, at the FBI on the Hillary investigation, on the Trump investigation. He reported to one person within the FBI, that's James Comey, and there is now a dispute between him and Comey over who said what about a leak. Making it real simple. This is where there's a wedge between these two. One of them's lying. McCabe spoke to a Wall Street Journal reporter about the existence of the Hillary email probe. He lied about that, that, that leak to the Wall Street Journal reporter. 
He lied about the leak to investigators. McCabe is now saying Comey authorized him to unload that information to the Wall Street Journal reporter. Comey's saying otherwise. They can't both be telling the truth. One saying he's looking at red, one saying he's looking at blue. Either it's red or it's blue. This gives them a reason, the McCabe team, to cooperate because they are looking at a false statements charge. McCabe, folks, has the answers to all of this. The access to the NSA database, what was going on? Who were these private contractors? What were they doing? The prosecution of Mike Flynn, where where investigative summaries, uh, interview summaries changed in order to prosecute Mike Flynn, even though that no one thought he was lying. Was the Hillary email investigation scuttled before they even interviewed Hillary Clinton? What happened behind the scenes? Was there an effort to target Trump before a formal investigation was open and an effort to keep it on back channels rather than official FBI intelligence channels and others to hide the existence of bad information? Was the FBI working with Christopher Steele, although they knew Christopher Steele working for Fusion GPS was already talking to the press? Were there leaks in the FBI? McCabe knows all of this, folks. I think getting McCabe to cooperate would be an absolute goldmine. This is a major revelation. It happened yesterday. This guy has the keys to the kingdom. He is the Rosetta Stone to this entire thing. If we can get answers on this, I think we need to pursue them. All right. I don't do this often, but I want to move on to some other stories. But I want to give a shout out. My wife was uh, was particularly touched by a story uh there's a a young lady who's one of our biggest fans her name is mia it's her seventh birthday apparently she tries to replicate my queen's accent she wanted a t-shirt from our chum store for the birthday so shout out to mia for your seventh birthday uh you know what happy birthday mia now do you hear you can replicate that accent in my my old former queen's accent happy birthday mia god bless (laughs) you there thanks for listening to the show oh what else we got here oh Oh, oh, here we go. This is important. Interesting piece by David Drucker in the Washington Examiner. I will put up in the show notes that I strongly, strongly encourage you to read about why Trump keeps taking on these these fights that the mainstream media just doesn't get. In other words, we had a dispute. Uh, about the Philadelphia Eagles, the Super Bowl. By the way, this is really ridiculous. I didn't even know the Philadelphia Eagles won the Super Bowl. I was like, the Phil- I thought the Patriots won. I didn't watch it, so I didn't know. I swear, I thought the Patriots won. I'm like, I, I, I was confused. I guess the next day I knew the Eagles won, but I totally forgot. So the Eagles were invited to the White House. When you're a sports team that wins a championship, it's, uh, it's a dopey tradition I wish would go away, but they invite them to the White House. Of course, this was never controversial until the era of Donald Trump, where everyone in America against Trump seems to have lost their minds. So the Eagles, I, I believe, strongly set Trump up. I do it. This is, I, I'm just basing it on the facts. They submitted, Joe, close to 80 names and mm-hmm. waves, which is the White House Access Visitor Entry System, the Secret Service monitors, and uh, 80 names for t- team members and, and, and team personnel for this celebration at the White House of their Super Bowl victory. They find out a few days out that, uh, in essence, none of the Eagles were going to attend. It was only going to be the quarterback, apparently, and the mascot. Yeah. I believe this was an effort to flip off Trump and make him look like an idiot. Which is story, what, Joe, what do you think the story in the paper the next day was going to be? Uh, yeah. Eagles get invited to the White House. Nobody shows up. Right. And it was going to be the Eagle mascot mm-hmm. probably making fun of Trump. Um, and and I believe the quarterback was going to show up. Yeah. 
So Trump in a, again, I believe a dipsy do flipperoo, uh, just the guys, he's, he's incredible. The guy, exactly. That's what he did. I'll keep it family friendly, but Joe's right. Joe, Trump's like, um, no, thanks. Event canceled. See you fellas. Beat it. Now there's been a, 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 you know, a lot of people to, and to, to be fair and give an honest perspective on this, the Philadelphia Eagles did not kneel. None of the players right. either in preseason, the regular season or the postseason, they were not kneelers um, for the national anthem. But I, I don't know. Now, there were some conservatives or alleged conservatives, again, who continue to defend the Eagles in this. That part I don't get. Yes, they didn't kneel. But they were invited to the White House in what has been a nonpartisan event show for Republican and Democrat presidents forever. You go to the White House. You get it. It's an honor to be there. Mm-hmm. And by the way, I have experienced this. So I'm not going to be lectured by any alleged conservatives or Republicans out there. I, when you leave the Secret Service, Joe, mm-hmm. uh, Presidential Protection Division, the president's detail, you get an Oval Office photo with your family. I'll happily post it on Instagram. It's actually on my Instagram if you scroll down to the some of the pictures in the beginning. I left under Barack Obama after you know almost five years of service there. Mm-hmm. It was an honor. I went, I'm not a fan of Obama's policies. You go in, he took a picture. He was nice. Sh- sh- shakes your hand. He takes a picture of your wife and your kids. My daughter Isabel was there. I had, Joe, zero problem doing that. Right. I'm a U.S. citizen. He was the president. I, 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 we don't live in a banana republic. Nope. Obama's now out of office because of Obama's policies. I took the picture, was happy to do it. Yep. It would, Joe, I didn't even think twice about it. No. So I'm sorry. I have no sympathy. Oh, well, the Eagles didn't kneel, so Trump's attacking him. No, BS. You go to the White House, you show some respect for the office of the presidency, even if you don't like the man, which I certainly didn't. You show some respect, you shake a hand, you take a photo, and you move on. Instead, this stupid NFL and this dopey team can't get out of its own way and says, you know what, we're not going to go. Oh, but by the way, we didn't kneel. Oh, no, but we just basically gave Trump the old heave-ho and said, well, we're not going to show up, and we're going to tell you a couple days before. Yep. So the piece by David Drucker in the Washington Examiner says, you know what, Trump's onto something here. The background for the piece, Joe, is there are a lot of Republicans out there, in elected Republicans we're talking about, in the, in the intelligentsia, and believe me, I'm using that term loosely, the swamp rats, who keep saying, gosh, why does this guy keep taking on these fights? We've got this strong economy. Just keep it about the economy, the economy, economy. Drucker says, wait, time out. Hold on. And Drucker's no, like, big pro-Trump guy either. He's a pretty fair-minded guy. Drucker says, you know, good for Trump. Basically, the polling data indicates that America's with Trump on this. Yeah. That the NFL's on the wrong side of this issue. That these, whatever you want to call them, Joe, culture wars that liberals keep hitting us with, we didn't start this kneeling fight. They did. I watched the NFL, no problem. You decided to kneel for the national anthem, which is a sign of disrespect, period, full stop. I'm done. Goodbye. You started this culture war. Trump ends it. And Drucker's piece, he's not really celebrating everything. He's just saying that the Republicans, Joe, even the swamp rats, are now starting to come around to the idea that maybe Trump's onto something. Hmm. I have in big capital letters here in my notes for the show today, no more apologies. That maybe Republicans, good Republicans and conservatives around the country, I'm not talking about, I'm talking about you, the people, 
are simply tired of wussy Republican safe spacer color formers with their paint by numbers. We're tired of you. Oh, we're sorry. Did we offend the Eagles? Trump's like, beat it. Get off the grounds. Don't even come in here. Go back home. And you know what? Conservatives are like, yeah, all right. You don't want to show up in what was a nonpartisan event forever? And we're supposed to like, we're, we're supposed to plant a big wet one on your caboose because, oh, you guys didn't kneel? But you, you didn't kneel, you only slapped the president in the face. And again, don't lecture me. Fake Republicans out there. I took the picture, was proud to do it. I put my butt on the line for a president I could literally not have agreed with anymore. Literally. There is no more disagreement possible. It's not a figurative term. I didn't agree on one thing and happily went in there. Showed my respect. Thanks for, uh, for for the time on the detail. We had a good time. Shook his hand. Picture with my kid. I put the picture on Instagram. I wasn't embarrassed. Of course I knew people were going to be like, why did you take a picture with that guy? Because he's the president and I believe in the United States, not the man. And in the United States, we are not a banana republic. That's how we do our electoral work at the polls. We don't, there's no, you know, Coup d'etat here. That's why. This is about the office. And the fact that the Philadelphia Eagles decided to take a big dump on that, and we're supposed to celebrate them because they didn't even know. Get the hell out of the White House. Goodbye. Beat it. You're going to send a mascot with the wings, clucking around with the wings, <laughs> like a bunch of clowns? A clown show? Yeah. One player, a clown mascot? And, 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 and a couple of executives? So what, you could embarrass the guy? No more apologies. Now we take it to him. And Trump's the ringleader of the take it to him crowd. There is a now significant swath of conservatives, Republicans, and even moderate Democrats who are tired of these culture wars, tired of kneeling for the national anthem, and even more tired of sellout, whiny, loser Republicans with not an ounce of steel in their spine. Hey, we're sorry. We don't want to offend anybody. No, we do want to offend. You show up for the damn event or beat it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Beat it. You submitted 80 people to waves as a, as a what, a little head fake? Hey, look, we're going to get a big crowd, 80 people. Oh, by the way, two are going to show up. Plus the clown mascot. Like Trump. <laughs> like a clown, like Bozo. Like the Mr. Bill show. Look at Mr. Bill. What the hell's wrong with you? Beat it. You're not allowed on the grounds. All of you out. No more apologies. You want to make a clown show out of it? Beat it. Go back to, I love Philadelphia. But let me tell you something. The Eagles franchise, that, that's disgusting what they did. Mm-hmm. Then you got this goof of LeBron James and the other ones too. Hey, whoever wins the NBA championship, we're not going to show up either. Who cares? You know what? I was actually going to watch the NBA championship. No more. No thanks. Yeah, who cares? Who cares? Who, who cares, Joe? Who cares? I'm so done with these people. And I'll say one last time because it's important. Don't lecture me. I was there. My family, you have no idea the sacrifices we made to keep the Obamas safe. Uh, Listen, you paid for it. I volunteered for it. I'm not asking for anybody's uh, uh, pats on the back or anything. Nothing. It was my job. That's what we do. There are military people who do 
far more for our country every single day. I'm not looking for any accolades. I'm simply trying to tell you, I'm not going to be lectured by anyone about this. Oh, well, you know, they should be celebrating do anything wrong. They didn't kneel. No, they 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 crapped on the White House and the office. That's what they did. Yep. In the office of the presidency. That's it. And when I was given the opportunity to do the same, hey, I'm going to pass on this picture. I didn't do it. Because to me, it was about service and something different. Clearly to the clown show in the Eagles, it wasn't. And if you read the Drucker piece, you'll see that even Swamp Rat Republicans, to kind of sum this up here, are starting to get it, Joe, that maybe Trump has tapped into something they've missed for a long time. (laughs) And that something is, you know what? Joe, maybe it's not just the economy. Mm. We've heard that forever. It's the economy, stupid, Mm -hmm. from uh, Bill Clinton's campaign, actually. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's about Americans watching TV and seeing these kneelers during the national anthem going, you know, that ain't us, man. Maybe it's about, you know, a conservative speaker trying to talk in a college campus, getting a pie thrown in their face or being attacked as they walk out. Maybe it's about Americans, even moderate Democrats going, you know, uh, that's that's not that. It's not the America I know. Maybe when it comes to the American Apology Tour by Barack Obama, always highlighting the downsides of America rather than the upsides of America. Maybe it was about a lot of Americans saying, you know, uh, that ain't us. Maybe when a guy who runs a bakery who, you know, is happy to sell you anything but just doesn't want to make a, a cake and participate in a gay wedding. Maybe it's about leaving him alone. Maybe when you try to sue him and put him out of business and you flip him the bird as you walk out of his place, maybe a lot of Americans out there, liberals, are saying, you know, that ain't us. Trump is the first president, I would say the first politician of significant national profile we've had, international in this case, we've had in a long time, who has said to America, you see the clown show showing up with the mascot? Nah, not me, man. Not on my watch. Nope, not today. Lock the gates. You see those goofs? They're not coming in here. You're not going to disrespect me. You're not doing this. I am the president of the United States of America. You are going to show up at this event and you are going to show some respect for this office and by default this country. And if you're going to come in here with your goofy clown show and your dopey mascot and you're going to make us all look like a bunch of a-holes, we are locking the gate and you can stay the hell out and take your asses all back to Philadelphia. And now the swamp rat goon Republicans who, what's he doing starting a culture war, are finally coming around to the idea that maybe the arrest of America, 51% of America looking at that TV and shaking their heads and going, yeah, I'm with that guy. Who's that guy? The clown show? No, Trump. Screw the clown show. And Republicans are just figuring that out right now. All right, folks. Thanks again for tuning in. I really appreciate it. Fight the fight, man. We need it. Team America, man. Full steam ahead. I'll see you all tomorrow. You just heard the Dan Bongino Show. Get more of Dan online anytime at conservativereview.com. You can also get Dan's podcasts on iTunes or SoundCloud. And follow Dan on Twitter 24-7 at DBongino.